Howdy. No, not Howdy. Howdy is how I start off the movie journal. Hello. Is that how, is that how Tyler starts it? That's how Tyler starts it, yeah. A hello. Bit, a big hello. There's a good There's a good hello. Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm David Back. Tyler Smith is on, is, I'm sorry, Tyler Smith is on assignment. I'm Scott and I filling in. Yeah, second week in a row. Yeah. Getting comfortable in that chair. You're going to be willing to give it up when uh, Tyler comes I mean, back? I know Tyler's not going to listen to this, so I feel safe in saying, not the most comfortable chair. <laughs> going to be honest. <laughs> I've had better. Uh, the, yeah, these are the chairs. Yeah, Tyler moved a few months ago. Yeah. This is a new, uh, I guess, studio. It's a new office. Yeah. Um, same chairs, same table. Right. And uh, yeah, if, uh, you know what, we're about to read some ads. Maybe we should take some of this ad money. And get some new chairs. Hey, there you go. They're a little, I guess. Or get a chair advertiser, then they'll send you chairs. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We should we should be looking for for that sort of thing. All right, um, Scott, how are you? Uh, good. Had a very productive day at the office. Got here early. Can't complain. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm doing okay. I want to um, say thank you to the many listeners who uh, sent emails and tweets uh you know in condolences of uh after i talked last week about my dog jack passing away it's uh it's been it's been rough i still wake up every morning and think that i see him on the couch uh and uh uh yeah anyway not gonna get into that it's but it's uh it's not an easy thing um first dog i've ever had it's uh it's gonna take a while um but uh let's talk about something fun right because i have ads to read and i want to put a buffer in between what else is is going on uh something fun how's you know what to a conversation we were having off mic how's film twitter these days uh you know contentious as always yeah united around very few things uh i'm providing a public service for a few people by going to see the new thor movie tomorrow People are excited for that Jeff Goldblum, but don't want to go get suckered in by another terrible Marvel movie. So yeah, I'm not pro- going to see that. I'm pro- uh, doing a public service by going to see it on their behalf and okay. letting them know if it's safe. Um, I think I, I decided, based on our conversation earlier, that I'm not actually on film Twitter. Okay. I don't think I really am. You I don't think be. I follow enough people to consider myself... There's some good people in there. You know what? I'm on David Twitter, and everyone else who follows me is lucky <laughs> okay. to be invited along. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what I'm saying is I'm above film Twitter. Film Twitter is Obviously. beneath me. Yeah. Um, okay, that was fun. Uh, this episode's brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, let's see. Uh, I got an email uh, yesterday from Mubi. Uh, Tyler usually gets these, but I guess Tyler told them I was out of town. Um, so, uh, our latest special by NWR is curated by film director Nicholas Vending Refn. Yeah. That's what the... At what point did you put it together? Uh, right before you said <laughs> Nicholas, I'm going to say. <laughs> um, so, movie has joined forces, forces with Nicholas Vinning Refn's upcoming streaming platform by NWR to give you uh, exclusive early access to some newly restored cult films handpicked by the director. Currently showing our two obscure exploitation sex thrillers, The Nest of the Cuckoo Birds, 1965, and Hot Thrills and Warm Chills, All right. <laughs> Sounds like an ad campaign for or something like good. A radio show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he getting his own streaming service? Did I hear that copy correctly? I, what do you mean by getting? 
starting? Yeah, maybe starting. I don't, okay. I don't know this one has right. I don't know gifted it to a him. benevolent force who bestows <laughs> streaming services. Upon I figured people. that's how it works. If so that person is not uh, very discriminating because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them. Movies, obviously, the best. Oh, for sure. Um, and then uh, let's see what else. Uh, really interest, interesting special discovery film, uh, uh, which is a 2015 film called A German Youth. Uh, um, let's see. New York Film Festival's projections is a thing. It's a, they've got a sky hoping his dislocation blues. There's a lot of fun stuff going on on movie. The main thing, obviously, is this Nicholas Vending Refn thing that uh, he earned somehow. Oh yeah, his own streaming. Service. It's a merit-based system. Getting your own streaming platform. Well, yeah. I mean, we've been allowed to do a podcast for ten and a half years right. because, because pure merit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not because we just haven't stopped. Uh, anyway, there's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. And I also want to uh, tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweaked Audio is where you go for pro- professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, I certainly use them uh, each and every day of my life. I know Tyler does as well. Um, I'm trying to think. Lately, I've been trying to say what, what did I use my tweakedaudio.com earbuds to listen to today. I listened to the... Uh, uh, one and only album by the band Nail Bomb, which is a sepultura okay. side project. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that I was take your word before. on that. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I listened to when I went on my uh, my morning walk this morning. Would you that's, say that's nice, relaxing music? That's sort of like in, I don't know. It might be metal music. No, it's not. Um, and it has a disturbing it has disturbing cover art that I every time I'd like. Oh, what's the name of this song? And I'd like pick up my right. phone and pick it up. Like, oh, right. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, also, so I'm okay. Wait, let me finish the tweaked okay. thing. Uh, all these things are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. I'm adding something this week. Whoa. This is this is from Tweak. Just a quick quick heads up. They're running a limited time promotion for an extra 10% off in addition to the 33%. Holy cow. So you use the offer code pretension and you use the code uh, fall 10. You can use the enter the two, the two codes at the same time. Um, and there's a pop-up on the website on the tweaked audio website that explains everything. So if you use the offer code pretension and the offer code fall 10, that's the word fall and the number 10, you'll get 10% off. You're already 33% off. So the 10% comes after the 33. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's, that's my, uh, it says in addition to your codes. So it's, so I was going to say 43% off, but it's but, more than that because it's 10% of or is 67%. It sli- but I think it'd be slightly less. Be slightly less. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It's still a hell of a deal. Still Don't get me wrong. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting like several, you know, um, probably almost 70% off. Right. I mean, almost, sorry, almost <laughs> the opposite way. Uh, sorry. Uh, almost 30, uh, 34% off, I guess. <laughs> no, it'd be like 40, wouldn't it? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, 43, but less than 10% because of 10% of the discount. Yeah, so it'd be like 39, 40. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a fucking great deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, so pick yourself up some earbuds. They're at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, that whole ad read was a clusterfuck and I'm sorry. This is why, this is why we keep Tyler around. (laughs) I don't think he would have done the math any better just to be fair. (laughs) Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home. Isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at home impression kit today for only 1495. 
Bite Clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, so here we are. Uh, Scott, you're here. Uh, and just like last week, we have a guest. Yeah. Uh, this is a, and also like last week, it's a return guest. Yeah. Um, but it's been quite a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like the last time you were on, was it when you and Matt were at my place? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Like over two years ago. Yeah. That was around the time of Inherent Vice, I think. Cause we talked oh, about, yeah, cause we talked, we talked yeah, about PTA. PTA yeah. Um, so, uh, welcome, please welcome back to the podcast, Susan Burke. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, well Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can go back. Look, we can yeah. go back and no, I know, I know actually that you've had a rough couple of weeks. So, yes. I, so I immediately was like, oh, I'm sorry for asking. But yeah. it's like, that's a natural thing to say. You always say, how are you? Even if you know the right. answer. Right. Yeah. It's the inevitable exactly. thing. Um, now what, uh, in the past two years, nothing much has changed in your life. Right. Nah. <laughs> it's all the same. Um, no. Yeah. A lot has yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, uh I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, now, you, we don't have a topic laid out this week because, as I said to you, you said you got plenty to talk about. Well, I feel like because <laughs> I, I hadn't been on for so long that when we were in line, I was like, I, I've got so many opinions that I haven't checked. <laughs> but then I realized like, oh, I, and I I had a, a, a baby um, right. 18 months ago. He's a year and a half old now. So in the last 18 months, uh, my uh, movie viewership has gone way down. Well, I've watched a ton of stuff on TV and I've watched a ton of TV. Okay. This is not about TV. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I've watched a lot of older movies and stuff, but, but my like new movies. So on the way here, I was like, Oh God, if we're going to talk about like movies that well, are in the theaters, I mean, last week we theater. talked about stuff from like the forties. So whatever you got, <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. let's talk old movies. You know what? Uh, old movies, Greater than sign new movies. That's how I do. We're also yeah, entering well, yeah. a period where we're going to talk about only new movies for like six months. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's good it's, to get a breather before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what old movies have you been watching? I don't, I don't know. No, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, how dare you put me on the spot? <laughs> Listen, ask me questions that are easy to answer. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the, la- the last new movie I saw was Florida Project, which... I haven't oh, seen it yet. That's oh, a good movie. It's great. Yeah. I can't I wait. It. I can't wait to see it. Um, Very charming children. Yeah, amazing children. Yeah. I thought there was maybe a moment or two when he was, like, too into how charming the children were, but I can understand it. Yeah, I, I didn't feel that way. I okay. feel that way a lot with, like, uh, child actors, like, and I have that... I, it gets on my nerves when kids are, like, really precocious. Right, yeah. And, like, but those, it felt so natural. Yeah, and they it felt it, like real kids, which is so rare. Yeah, and it's just... I feel like he's uh, Sean Baker, like, uh, that, and I love Tangerine yeah, a lot. Yeah, here. And I feel mm-hmm. like that both of those movies were, like, such naturalistic portrayals of people we don't see yeah, in movies. But totally. That, that definitely exist... And, and I feel like with, with, you know, there's a lot of like poor exploitation movies and stuff right. like, um, Oh God, what's his face? Um, the guy that made spring breakers, um, Oh, Harmony Corrine. Harmony Corrine, yeah. Like, and I like, I actually like spring breakers, Me but, too. um, I feel like a lot of like, um, gummo and movies like that are like very like poor exploitation. And I feel like Florida Project, which I haven't seen, but, and Tangerine are both like really earnest portrayals of, uh, of poor people and people that kind of live 
beyond the margins of society and um and the really honest but also you know not exploiting them yeah i mean they have like a sense of humor about them and they show that like in the midst of the most dire circumstances where they barely have two nickels to rub together they're still like fun days and they yeah. still like can have a good time yeah and there's still stuff to do and they're yeah. not like stupid yeah you know? exactly like, yeah <laughs> they're actually incredibly resourceful yeah yeah and I, I feel like it's just i don't know it's not like uh, not looking at it the lens of like look how fucked up right. these people are they're so gross and yeah. weird and we're not like them like i guess it's just that otherness that totally um that really bothers me with with a lot of films you know um portraying like poor people or portraying you know anybody that that isn't so white dudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, I, i've talked a lot on the show before about how modern hollywood has a problem showing poor people and has a problem uh illustrating class without getting luxury or condescending about it but his films really do a good job of just embracing the life that people lead yeah they yeah. really do i'm excited to see what he does i know he's really at the beginning of his career it's very exciting but that's weird because he did he co-created that show, Greg the Bunny, which is like... Oh, I had no idea. I didn't show. realize that. It's not good. Weird. Yeah. I, who was that? Was Seth Green on that show? I think, yeah, Seth Green was on that show, and it was like on Fox, and it was on IFC. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's so... I mean, but then it's like, he was a co-creator, so maybe it was just like a thing of like, he's pitching like a few different things, and that's yeah, the one that goes. Yeah, the one that stuck. Yeah, but it's just very different from... <laughs> yeah. That's so weird. I didn't know that. So what, uh, what, what, uh, okay, let's, I, I'll give in. What TV are you watching? I'm not watching any TV. I've gone the opposite route. Really? Actually, I watch a few things, uh, and I'm not caught up on any of them. Um, <laughs> but I watch like Last Man on Earth and The Good Place and The Deuce, but I'm not caught up on any of these shows. Um, I've been watching The Deuce. Yeah. My favorite Halloween costume I saw on Halloween, uh, at a bar was a couple who went as James Franco. Oh, like, that's great. They went as one as Vincent and one as, as Frankie. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. I, I once saw at the like West Hollywood parade, uh-huh. um, like five dudes dressed as different Johnny Depp characters. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. Cause it was like, um, Edward Scissorhands, right. of course, like Captain Jack Sparrow, of course, Willy Wonka. Um, Donnie oh, Brasco. Oh, no, Crybaby. <laughs> Secret oh. Window. No, and then Secret Window. Oh, really? I swear to God. And it was the guy that looked the most like Johnny Depp. So it was oh, all these like be, yeah. really iconic. And then it was a guy that looked a lot like Johnny Depp. And it was Secret Window. Just wearing the glasses. Just yes, like, just like wearing glasses. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. That's a, I think that's a good movie. Secret I never saw it. I think it. so too. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Do, do we have, okay, let's get into, do we have trouble enjoying Johnny Depp movies now? That even from the good. past? Or like... No Gibson movies we used to like, or like, uh, this has been on my mind lately because I, I saw, and so did Scott, uh, hasn't come out yet, but we, we both saw Wonder Wheel, the new Woody Allen movie, right. and we both liked it a lot. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like kind of guilty about how much right. I like it. And then like, in my position as like an amateur film critic, the idea that I'm going to like, I feel like I need to be honest, I need to tell people like, this is a good movie, but I also feel like I don't want to necessarily support him, I will. I'll t- I, uh, I, uh, the 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 bargain I struck with myself is that I included in the first paragraph of my review a link to donate to the Rape of Success <laughs> National Network because I was like, this is if you. I'm going to tell people to go spend 15 bucks to see it. They should also send 15 bucks to to Rain. It's it's such a tricky thing because I I just have an aversion to Woody Allen anyway. I, like okay. I've never been a huge Woody Allen fan, and but I've never like. I didn't hate him or anything, and I always thought like, well, Annie Hall's okay, but it's not. I've never liked Annie Hall either. Yeah, like, and I just I feel like so many people 
that I've known, I was like, just like, you know, guys I went on dates with in my 20s or whatever, <laughs> like, Andy Hill's the best movie. And it's like, no, it's, it's really not. It's, it's fine, mm-hmm. you know, but, or just like girls who like think they are Annie Hall. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's, duh. like, I feel like it's like the really average person's like cool movie. Pick. <laughs> and I kind of feel like Woody Allen is like the really average person's like smart movie pick too. Like, I've just never been that impressed. I, I mean, I guess like I enjoyed like Broadway Danny Rose the first time I saw it. Like some of his like more kind of like wacky movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But have you seen Take the Money and Run? Yes, yes. It's so and funny. I, yeah, I like that movie. I mean it's but it's just like he's not that great, so I can it, like even like Midnight in Paris and everyone was like, Oh, it's so good, he's back and stuff and I was like, No, like uh Owen Wilson's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's a neat concept. But even like that neat concept is just like fucking rich people. Like <laughs> just like just asshole rich people. Like his women are always like so thin, like I mean no. like character wise, not like physically. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, more, but so I mean that usually that but, too. Yeah, no, that too, but uh, I, that, that doesn't bother me um no but but just like the, their characters are just like yeah. so one-dimensional like Rachel McAdams who's a great actress like in that movie is just like that's the one because I do so, love Midnight in Paris but that character is the tough. one thing that I'm like he didn't put any thought into like this she's just awful yeah, she's just a bitch like it's just like she's a bitch I don't know like this poor guy romanticizes the past and also just that like I don't know, like that romanticizing the past. But isn't the movie kind of about? Yeah, I think that the that's movie is futile. But that is, yeah, I know. But at but the same time, like one speech at the end, I don't know if it outweighs the fun of the rest of the movie. You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like the pleasure of that movie is hanging in the past, yeah. and so are I mean a lot of his recent movies. Uh, was it Magic in the Moonlight or even Wonder Wheel too? Like he definitely enjoys spending time in the past. Yeah, well, there's a whole plotline in To Rome With Love where Alec Baldwin spends the entire movie in his yeah. own past. Well, like, you know, in the past, like, it was okay to be, like, a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> People would ignore it. I'm sure that's what he's um, thinking the entire time he's writing every movie. <laughs> oh but also, oh, can I just say that, like, and I, I just, I, sorry to go on a Woody Allen tangent, but, like, Blue Jasmine was the stupidest movie oh. ever. And this, like, having, and Kate Blanchett is a genius like she's amazing and she made that movie watchable but it's like all right she goes to live with like her poor is it sister yeah okay her poor sister who's dirt poor and works at a grocery store but still has a two-bedroom apartment in san francisco right. <laughs> now yeah and then, so. and then they're in san francisco but all the poor people are like 1950s brooklyn stereotypes <laughs> like what <laughs> and then she takes a computer class like it's like 2014 or whatever yeah. that movie came out and she's taking a computer class that's so stupid like <laughs> she would have an iphone like there's no way that that character wouldn't like know a little bit about computers even if she's super rich yeah. and super sheltered like woody allen is literally the only person that doesn't <laughs> yeah. know how to use computers in this day and age wasn't that uh, this is a, this is not a good Woody Allen movie at all, but in Hollywood ending, there was a plot where he had like a teenage son who was like a rebellious teenage son. And like, it would have been an embarrassing stereotype in the mid eighties for like this, <laughs> right. this, like he had like the Liberty spikes and like, <laughs> it was like really, uh, uh, yeah, like Woody Allen does not, does not live in the world that we live in day to day. And so his references are a little off. That's why maybe that's why I like, I like wonder wheel. It takes place in the 1950s where he's comfortable. Yeah, right, better. Right. <laughs> in fact, I've liked his movies more now that he's stopped starring in them and has taken them less seriously like they're funnier even the dramas are funnier than his dramas used to be i feel like no no i'm i'm glad he's not in his movies anymore right but because he's hard to watch but 
I don't know. And then, like, he's just not that great. Like, I feel like he's held up to be this, like, amazing auteur. And he makes a lot of movies. Like, that's, I, I guess that's cool. But... <laughs> Like maybe he should make less movies and make better movies. Yeah, somebody yeah. suggested a rep series of the first draft movies of Woody Allen, <laughs> which are most of them. Most of them, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's, I mean, I remember when I was a PA, uh, like, over 10 years ago, like, talking to one of the producers on the movie, and they were producing at the time, I think it must have been No Country for Old Men, and they were talking about, like, yeah, the Coen brothers and Woody Allen will always make movies because they their movies always come in on time and under budget and always make their money back. Yeah. Like, it, they don't have to be, like, world beaters every time. They're just, like, they're good investments. And I think that was the other thing is the more I kind of accepted that Woody that I never loved Woody Allen and he was never going to be, like, a huge director to me and the more I enjoyed them as kind of middle-of-the-road entertainments, that kind of opened him up for me, too. I don't know. Well, even comparing... Woody Allen to the Coen Brothers, I think, is really unfair because the Coen Brothers oh, yeah. are amazing, yeah. and even like a bad Coen Brothers movie is still more interesting than your average movie. You know, yeah. like yeah, like *Intolerable Cruelty* is as good as most Woody Allen movies. Is better than <laughs> yeah. most Woody Allen. Yeah. I like it. I mean, totally. There's no Coen Brothers movie that I don't like, yeah. and then like the good movies are some of the best movies. You know, I've never seen *The Lady Killers*. I think that's, that's the one I, like I haven't it. seen either. I've seen it. It's good. All right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's funny. It's really wacky. And I think sometimes people have trouble with like the funny Coen Brothers movies. Well, part of the problem, I think, with not with the Coen Brothers, with people, is that <laughs> yeah. the Coen Brothers have a tendency to sort of like switch off. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you get like, like the example I always use is no one could get on board with Burn After Reading because they were still in the No Country Wait, for Old Men. I love Burn After Reading. It's so good. It's but I feel like so coming like I, essentially the year after, it was a the year, year after, after yeah. No for Old Men. I think people were not ready for what no for what Burn After Reading was because this is like, oh, it's this, you know, Oscar winning, like it's the, right. you know, they, they made this very serious, like dour movie and Burn After Reading is essentially, I'm not the first person to make this point, but is it like thematically it's the same movie as No Country for yeah, Old Men? Yeah. It's just a comedy. And that's of, the part that I wasn't ready for when I first saw it is that I was like, okay, I'm down for a wacky Coen Brothers movie, but I wasn't prepared for like it to be as nihilistic. Yeah, as yeah. That's like, I I love that movie, but that, it was a little bit shocking. Like yeah. the the closet um, scene where he gets shot in the head. Yeah. Like, and also whoever takes this as an axe to the yeah, guy Richard, in the street. Richard Jenkins, <laughs> Jenkins gets a hatchet to, the, to his bald spot. Horrible. <laughs> Brad Pitt's character in that is my favorite. Oh like, yeah, that's just such a real guy. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it? When he, he needs something to drink, he's like, I got tap water. He's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good, I should watch that again. Um, speaking of, uh, Coen brothers, uh, they wrote suburban, Co- suburban con, yeah. which is out. But we can't talk too much about new movies. <laughs> You haven't seen Superbicon either, yeah. so I don't no, know I why you're bringing Superbicon. it up. <laughs> I thought Florida Project, is that, and then before that was Good Time was the last. Oh, Good Time's so good. I it's didn't really see Good Time. Oh, it's, really it's good. so good. I've only seen movies you haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really good. Good Time I want to see, but it seems like it's, like, the title is ironic and yes. it's going to be a tough sit. It's not a good, well, it is a good time. I, I mean. It's really funny. I mean, it's kind of okay. like the Coen Brothers, honestly. Oh, it kind of is, yeah. Actually, that's another really honest portrayal of like poor people yeah. movie and like desperation, super yeah, desperation. Totally. But yeah, like there's some really funny yeah. <laughs> moments in it. I was not, because did you see uh, heaven knows what their last movie? No, I okay. Cause that's that. like such like a gritty drug drama, like people living on the street, just horrible right. at every second. And so I was like, good time. I was like, all right, more of this. But then like within five minutes, I'm laughing my ass off and I pretty much don't stop the whole movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, it is. It's not like, it's not like laughing 
like, you know, Caddyshack laughing. Right. I mean, obviously, but it is. Okay. That's good to know. I think like, um, ever since I'm going to say like early November of last year, I've been uh, a little hesitant to watch movies that are going to be like tough to sit through, you know, like I haven't seen Detroit. Like I love Catherine Bigelow, but I feel like I don't want to like, Twitter and my life in the world right now <laughs> are so tough to sit through yeah. that I kind of want movies that are not necessarily like, I don't want escapism, but I want something that is a little not, sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And so I've, uh, so it's good to know, okay, good time. Maybe I'll, I'll enjoy it. I've, yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. It's not, and it doesn't, I mean, not to have any like spoilers or anything, but it, it, it doesn't end like super horribly or anything. <laughs> like, no, you know, it's not, I yeah, I don't want to give anything away. It ends right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, something else that came out since the last time uh, we talked is a movie called Southbound that you yeah, were involved yeah. in. That's how long it's been since you've been on the show. Wow, really? I talked to you about Southbound, um, in the, the, which was a horror anthology. Yes. Uh, do you feel like you're part of like the the this sort of uh, new American indie wave of horror uh, now? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you don't know if you're uh, part I mean, of the crew. I, I mean, I'm I'm friends with the, like a lot of those guys, yeah. you know. But I mean, I and I certainly uh, and and am big fans of them. But uh, and I'm working on like several horror projects right now. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's really limiting to. I mean, I lo- I love horror and I love genre. Um, but it's sort of through the lens of like, you know, like that I sort of write horror. It, like thinking of it as a comedy or as a drama, uh-huh. you know, and not thinking of it as like, this is going to be scary. Cause I think that ruins it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I like working on horror stuff and it's like, I think that the new wave of like horror indie filmmakers yeah. are really exciting, cool people because like, it, they're some of the only people that are actually given <laughs> budgets, though they'd be very <laughs> small budgets, but you know, to get out there and get creative cause you don't need big names and you don't need yeah. all the things that you need for dramas and comedies and stuff. And like even indies, it's casting is extremely hard, but you know, with, uh, with horror movies, you don't really need that. Um, yeah. cause you can get distribution. Um, so I'm like, but, but, and also they're really a lot of, I think really creative and resourceful, filmmakers that are doing horror right now i think probably the most creative and resourceful young filmmakers are doing horror right now because yeah you know it's super exciting yeah yeah, yeah it's very exciting there's a lot of great horror going on they've done panels the past few years uh at comic-con on new voices of contemporary horror uh and those have been some of my favorite things that i've gone to in fact this past july they showed a trailer for, movie, for a movie called the endless which is going to be at afi uh fast that's kind oh, of awesome. uh, uh, high concept, I guess, sci-fi-ish type of horror movie. Um, the trailer was really, really cool. Uh, I don't want to go into it, but uh, uh, maybe I'll try and catch it at AFI Fest or Scott Wilson. Scott's officially covering AFI Fest for BattleshipRetention.com. We'll see. I can't remember this movie at all. Oh, well, <laughs> it's, I think it's about like two guys who it's like it's like horror Brigadoon, where like two guys okay. like stumble oh, cool. across like a small town that sort of like. I guess in Brigadoon, the idea is it goes away. It only shows a little. This yeah. is a, t- a small town that like is on like a time loop. Oh, that's sort of oh. like Southbound, um, actually. Oh, they okay. stole the idea. All right. No, have you seen? Have you oh, seen fuck, I haven't seen Southbound oh, okay. yet. I'm sorry. Oh well. I think I'm well, nervous thanks. to see movies made by people that I know. <laughs> oh. You saw Smash, though? Uh, I never saw Smash. You never saw Smash? I know, oh. I know. We oh, had this man. conversation last time you were on the podcast. Really? <laughs> it might have been off mic. 
All but right. I feel, I, I don't know, I, I, I just feel very, very you, nervous. Because you're afraid what, if you don't like it, yeah. you don't want to say that. Yeah. I remember I saw, I, I, there's a guy, I'm not going to say who was, there's a guy that I have kind of known for years. He's like a friend of a friend uh-huh. who's a director. And I liked his movies. And then I saw one of his movies uh, at Sundance in 2016. So people can maybe narrow it down from that. <laughs> um, and I didn't like it. And I wrote a bad review of it. And then I like later that that year, I was at Next, Sundance Next Fest. And I ran into our mutual friend. And he was like, uh, and I was like, oh, so-and-so is over there. And I was like, uh, I feel bad. Like I wrote this bad review and my, and my friend was like, Oh, don't worry about it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. He probably didn't read it. My friend was like, Oh no, he read it. <laughs> oh man. And so I, uh, I think that kind of scarred me. <laughs> that, I mean, I think that's hard. Um, and I guess I'm not like friends with like a ton of, of other critics, you know, like, cause uh-huh. I think it is weird though. Like, like critics that like hang out with like a lot of filmmakers because like you're eventually you have to be honest, yeah, you know, yeah. and like you have to have honest criticism, and it's not like I'm like <laughs> I'm not, I just don't know that that many other people that review movies, um, like other than like a few people on Twitter or whatever, you know. But um, yeah, I mean that's a weird thing. That's a weird thing for me. Like I am friends with people whose movies I don't like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like, but I don't. I'm not in a position where I have to like write about them, you know. Like, I just say, like, oh, yeah. The production design was good. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, that actor, that's so cool. You got him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if, it, if it's, if it's like, just acting, I'm okay. Like, I think... No, but... If someone wrote or directed a movie, yeah. I feel more... It feels more personal. Yeah. Because I see, like, our friend, mutual friend, uh, Pat Healy, like, I've seen tons of stuff that he's... Oh, right, right, yeah. But I haven't seen Take Me, the one that he directed, because I I have this trepidation about it. No, it's a totally different thing. And because you're not, if you're acting in something, that's, I mean, and you can still have a good performance in a bad movie. But, I mean, as a writer, like, yeah, you know, if, I mean, a movie, a good script can definitely be ruined by the direction or the actors or, you know, a myriad of things. But... Like they're they're going to come back to the script if if it's no good. So I mean, and that's and that's weird. Southbound's weird because it's um an anthology, and I think it's a pretty strong anthology. Um, but you know, there'd be reviews that were very uneven, and then it it, it really sucked for the the filmmakers that you know got the shitty review mm-hmm. in the good review mm-hmm. of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and then. That's because then they're still like, well, it's a great review of the movie, but like my section. Unfortunately, um, Roxanne and, and my section it got pretty good reviews. So. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there was, and Smash got primarily pretty good reviews. Yeah. There was a couple, you know, that were like, there was a couple bad reviews and, and like that. And I think I have a thicker skin now. Um, but, but since that was like the first thing that I wrote, like, that like, I like went to like, the people who like gave it bad reviews and like read their other reviews and were like, well, they like, they only like shit. So yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like, you can't do that. Cause there's always going to be people that don't like your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had one time I wrote a better review of a movie and then, it, but I had also like in my review, I had gotten like, I had misdescribed the movie. And so the director like wrote to me and like, 
Right, like I deserved it. He like right. tore me a new asshole because <laughs> he was like, "You hate my movie," and then this thing that you're saying isn't even the way it happened. And I'm like, "You're right." I I like ran a clarification. It was like uh, very embarrassing, and I'm much more vigilant about that about that now. But uh, I like it better when I read a good review of a movie and the director reaches out to me. That's oh yeah, that's totally. Yeah, I don't think directors have ever gotten in touch with me. I always just feel bad letting down the publicists oh. because those are people that I like know and see regularly. Yeah. And I don't like the movies they're promoting. Yeah, that, that's as close yeah, as I get. That's <laughs> not the publicist. That's not like a personal thing. Oh, I know. It totally yeah. so. But the, I don't. The guy I, I know best in the publicity circuit seems really invested in the movies he's putting out. So I, nice. I feel a little bad. But yeah, he no, he's a great publicist. And he's a, a lot of fun to work with. But then I feel bad when I don't like the yeah. movie. Yeah, thing. I want to know which one you're. So we can talk about, about it later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I just had that happen. I uh, I just wrote a a, a, a negative ish review of a movie that uh, is coming out on VOD this week. Uh, it's called Thumper. It's not. Uh, it's not awful. It's just not great. Right. Um, but that was one that the like. The publicist has publicist like invited me and then like reached out and like you're coming to the screen oh, right? yeah. and then oh, like man. wrote like after like what do you think of the movie and I had to be like it is it's a it is a little uncomfortable but I do feel better about myself if I'm honest oh yeah for you sure know? there yeah there was a situation a few years ago there was a film that came out that was uh, it was and it was a small movie and I sort of knew somebody involved in it. And um, now I can't like say how, but <laughs> <laughs> through through like a kind of weird connection, and and it was like oh I really want to support this person and their movie, and I went to the screening, and it seriously like one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen in my life. Like I hated it so much. Like I hated it so much, and it was so hard for me to. And I'm not even I'm not like a reactive person. Like I don't like. Like, I, I actually tweet a lot less um, since having a kid and, like, being busy with other stuff. But, like, <laughs> sure. I don't tweet a lot. And I don't tweet a lot of negative stuff, like, besides, like, negative shit about, like, politics or whatever. I don't, like, right. judge other people's art. And this was a small movie, so I'm not going to, like, shit on a small movie. Like, because I make small movies. And, like, I know how that is. Yeah. But it, like, was hard for me not to. Because I just, like, hated it. And people were like, this is so creative. And I was like, no, this movie fucking <laughs> sucks. And, like, just wanted to. Like, Have I heard of this movie? I'm sure. Okay. Um, I'll tell you off, oh, off mic. I'm gonna ask. But <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. But like that, and it and and not even someone I'm friends with, but just like you know, I it, they would definitely know if I said something shitty about it, and I wouldn't. But like that was so hard, and you, I don't know why. You got to get so it out hard. of your system somehow. I know it's like bottled up inside you. It was. I think I was just so mad because it was one of those movies that people are like. Oh, this is like so creative and so amazing. Like when when people like freak out about something that's just like a gimmick, and it's just like oh, and they did a terrible job with this gimmick. You mm. know, like yeah. Now you're you're like trying to think of what the movie is. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> I'm also thinking of things I could movies I could say that about, but I don't want it to accidentally be the same movie you're talking right, right, about. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, well, but what I, mean, what I was thinking about was your idea of like having an outlook. Like now I have to say something. Like if you ever see me on Twitter, like trolling Radiohead fans, <laughs> it's because I'm probably mad about something else. Right, right. That I don't want to say because I don't hate Radiohead. I just like to say that I hate Radiohead. Okay. It, uh, although I found recently that Arcade Fire fans for some reason are way more trollable. Like interesting. I, I think they're. Way, way more sensitive about it uh, maybe it's a generational thing like the Radiohead fans are getting older and the Arcade Fire fans are at that age when they're I think it's 
possibly the fact that Arcade's Fire, Arcade Fire's newest album, which I actually like, <laughs> is like their poorest reviewed albums. Maybe ah, their fans. So Whereas Radiohead really is like, like placed in the culture More is like sure. so yeah. cemented that, you know, I'm throwing, you know, throwing rocks at a wall if I'm making fun of Radiohead, but Arcade Fire, I guess, are in a more, more vulnerable position. Don't make fun of Bjork because I've gotten death threats for... Making fun of Bjork? Not even making fun... Well, like, I made these... I like, wouldn't, by the way. I love Bjork. I love Bjork, too. <laughs> but I did these, like, Bjork videos, like, 10 years ago. And they're just like... You know, have you ever seen the video where Bjork is, like, taking apart a television? And no. she's like... Um, I really want to see this now, though. It's a small treat. Like, it's just... She's, like, uh-huh. looking at it, and she's like, it's a town. And, like, so I, like, made this video where I'm, like, taking apart a burrito and, like, <laughs> as Bjork. <laughs> I made these, like, very, very silly videos as Bjork that are, like, Bjork blogs. Um, like, 10 years ago, right? And people, like, for the most part, people like them or whatever, but just, like, there would be all this, like, just rabid hate. And I got this death threat that I had to report to the FBI because, like, you have to, like, when you get death threats. (laughs) It was like, I'm going to chop you up and feed you to the dogs. Like, I'm going to cut off your head. Like, all this, like, fucked up shit. And so, like, I called the police, and I was like, what do I do about this? And they were like... I'll call the FBI. Like, they were so, like, non-plausible. Like, I don't <laughs> And, well, they actually, the day that I got it, like, Obama was in town, and they were like, wait, a death threat for Obama? And I was like, no, a death threat for me. <laughs> and they were like, well, who are you? And I was like, well, I... I You're like, I voted for I don't know. I, I do, like, comedy stuff. Or, like, <laughs> this is Bjork. And they're like, I call the FBI. So the FBI took it very seriously. And, like you know, like made a report and they, but then, and the lady at the FBI was great and she was really funny cause she was like, Oh wait for like, I had to read her. And then I was like for making fun of Bjork and she started laughing and she was like, for making, she's like, but, but like Bjork's so silly. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I found, but I found the guy by like taking his email and um, putting it into MySpace. Mm. And then I found his like MySpace profile and then I found his Facebook profile. Um, and like, and that was like more active because like you know it was a while ago, but not that long ago. So he was like obviously on Facebook more, and he was like way in southern Mexico, and he was a scary looking guy. Like really, yeah. See, I was gonna say, let me like like was he like thirteen or fourteen? No, I think that's what I think. Like no thirteen or fourteen year old boy ten years ago is that big a Bjork fan. <laughs> no, he was like thirty, and he had like weird pictures of himself with like. Um, these like hoods on his head, like like oh, really weird. weird, and like he was really buff. Wow. Yeah, and then I got I got death threats for breaking up with someone once too. Whoa! Like from their fans, not from them. It was like someone who was like a a, a showrunner dude who had like a big internet following, and um, I got like these like death threats from like nerds that were like, "You broke the heart of a genius!" Like. Like you can't like sorry I said really bad words. Um, that's, that's okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but it was just and then I like wrote them back though and I was just like like I just I, like was just like your well I wrote one guy back because he was like how does it feel like to break the heart of a genius and I was like it's so easy or <laughs> so emotional like you know that's fucking when awful. someone's a really good artist it's really easy to just hurt them. Um, <laughs> That, but, I mean, I'm assuming I know who that is and yeah. that you're talking about a lot of toxic fans. A lot of toxic fans. Yeah. Um, oh, there was something else you said that was, uh, oh, never mind. What? <laughs> it's too, it's too far gone now. <laughs> I, I was trying to, the, 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 the violent Bjork guy, I was oh, trying yeah. to make an army of me joke. Like he's part of the Bjork army. And then they, <laughs> she has the song army of me. I, 
I couldn't make it happen. And it was, <laughs> right. the, this callback was definitely worth it. <laughs> this yeah, is why definitely. Susan is the professional comedian and I'm uh, not. Um, what did you say? I'm professional comedian, not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I thought you were making a not joke. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a professional comedian, but I think my sense of humor is a little above the not <laughs> joke or like psych. I don't think I've said psych in a long time. Yeah. Well, it's like maybe bring it back. I haven't yeah. done stand up. I mean, I don't really I don't do stand up really anymore. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what's hot. Maybe maybe all the I don't go to shows. Stand up shows. All the alt comedians oh, are yeah. doing not jokes <laughs> and then like, saying psych. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything is a lot more. I mean, it's just it's really different. Like people can't be like ironically racist anymore, which is good. Right. Um, yeah. And I remember. Um, so, uh, like, probably you know, over at this point, ten years ago, I was like a huge comedy fan going to all the alt comedy shows all the you know the comedy death rays and see next tuesdays mm-hmm. and the tomorrow show and the tiger lily and all the stuff but uh, all sort of other shows around here and the it's so much so that it became like a a, a recognized thing there were so many rape jokes so at many. that time there was like so that many. period that it was like it was in to make rape jokes yeah. and it seems like so crazy that that was only 10 years ago. i know that's like when i started comedy it was like everybody had like rape jokes and I was like, yeah. well, I don't <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and like, it felt like, you know, and obviously like, I mean, like a lot of people didn't, but the, the, it would, you were like an outlier and that's an alternative comedy. Yeah. That's like, but they were like, you know, that being subversive or whatever. And yeah. I think that's a big problem that I've talked about. There's a certain, uh, there's a certain amount of, people in whatever the alt comedy scene, whatever who think that they like, that there's a sort of barrier that they like, yeah. there's that they're, they think there's some sort of assumption, you know, that like, you guys know I'm not right. like this, but, but it's like, it's a ridiculous assumption. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, I'm not racist because like, I'm a white man, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is most of those comedians. It's like, no, but I'm a white man who's well-educated. So, you know, like, no, yeah. Yeah. dude, you can't, but it's, it, I mean, that uh, doesn't happen so much anymore. That, that kind of stopped happening probably five or six years ago, which, like, thank God. Yeah. And I think we've seen, the, like, not just in comedy, but uh, a lot of the guys who present as sort of, like, you know, liberal allies or whatever have turned out to be fucking predators. Yeah. Right. So there's not that level, that, that assumed safety You can't assume anymore. that, yeah. yeah. But then there's, I mean, then sometimes, like, things go too far the other way like i saw one of those like lists of all the like men accused of assault um in hollywood right and and it would be like you know this person and have like a link to the article but then it was like rain wilson rape jokes and it was like a joke about him getting raped on twitter like it was like a bad joke that he made that yeah, was like i saw that yeah list. yeah and not quite on the off. same level yeah it's not at the same level at all yeah because yeah i don't want to like trivialize that that can be you know that that's you know that that being casual about rape is not a good thing it adds to the whole culture that we have but it also is kind of trivializing to put that on the same total it's list absolutely as it's, as the as the real yeah it's, it's undermining the whole list yeah. like to me and then it's just like well that like that list has no credibility because yeah. and like Jason Moma from Game of Thrones like made a bad joke on a panel just like he was nervous on the panel and it gross yeah to say like it was fun to rape women on the show but like that's fully different than raping a person yeah. in real life. It's also weird, not to, to defend Jason Momoa, but, like, people are like, can you believe that there was no fallout 
seven years ago. It's like, yeah, no, there was. He apologized yeah. then too. Like, <laughs> also, yeah. Twitter was around then. Yeah. People called him on it. He apologized then. It's like, I, I, I don't know. It, uh, I, I guess just let's focus on what's really, yeah, <laughs> what's which really is victimizing. That's people. the thing. Like, there's a huge, huge problem. Obviously, so let's yeah. focus on that and not focus on like people who made bad jokes because that could literally be every comedian who who was around 10 years ago yeah it could be every person too it's like who hasn't made a bad joke in a group of friends it's like you just extend that to a panel or on a stage or something it's like it's unfortunate but it does happen yeah it totally does yeah yeah and i I never i don't know how you feel as a i guess former comedian i don't know what you're calling yourself (laughs) now because you're not doing stand-up anymore but um i mean even like as awful as a joke can be isn't there some sort of like, do you think that a comedian should have to apologize for something they say in the parameters, the understood parameters of I'm joking? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that there's instances like when like the, like Michael Richards situation, when he like went off and was like super racist to African-American audience members like that's and he went nuts, you know, uh-huh. and like that. I don't know Michael Richards. I don't know anything about him, but that probably isn't his like normal character. It probably was. He was just spazzing out. And I've seen people have meltdowns like that. Like not that we're necessarily racist, but that we're just crazy. And it's like people I know who are cool people, really nice people, just saying horrible shit because they're like so frustrated because they're like just having a bad life, you know? <laughs> like it's just like a bad set and a bad week and like whatever. Like that just happens. Um and and it's unfortunate that now like everything is getting videotaped and everything mm-hmm. is getting put online and everything because like there isn't the room to like grow and develop and like I certainly I didn't have any rape jokes but I or or really any like racist jokes but I certainly had jokes that were like that would be offensive you know mm-hmm. and I've certainly used like like offensive words that if taken out of context, you know, if someone just had like a soundbite of me saying this word to be like, you're homophobic, like, no, but you didn't hear the whole joke, you know, like you don't know, but it's like, so I think it is scary. It's a weird time to be doing comedy because you can't really develop like the way that you could like, 10 years ago where you could just get up on stage and, and do stuff and know that it's probably not going to end up online. Mm-hmm. But now, like, unless you're famous or something, and then it probably would. But now it's just, like, there's a lot of, like, policing. And that's why I stopped doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're uh, who was it, Seinfeld, who said that he doesn't do college campuses oh yeah alright but see then I hate but I hate me too I hate it when people are like oh it's too politically correct because it's just like fuck you like you can't go and like tell a bunch of racist jokes like poor baby yeah exactly (laughs) you can't go get paid like 30 grand for like an hour of work which you know Seinfeld would be like way more than that but it's hard to imagine what jokes he would get in trouble for either I know (laughs) it's the most innocuous Referendum, yeah. like yeah. observational humor. Yeah, how dare you say that about Superman? The WB, the Warner Brothers uh, DC fans are pretty mean out there. You know, oh, that, yeah. to film critics. Not everyone has so many socks that they can complain about <laughs> <in> socks. <laughs> and some people will feel lucky if they have two socks. Seinfeld. 
Um, all right, what it has else? nothing to do with movies. <laughs> no, I was, yeah, that's, that's exactly Sorry. what I was just thinking. Should we, well, other, should we drag it back to movies? The other line I was going to draw, which we, relates in, to movies somewhat, I would say, is that like something someone says on a panel or says in like a stand-up show that's just like a, I don't know what you call it, but there's those one-night gigs where they're working out material versus like a finished movie or a finished set. Right. I think there's a division there. Um, you know, the, kind of off the cuff versus something you clearly worked through and thought through right. and thought was a good idea. And different people had like, um, like reacted to it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the producers were like, okay with this. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. All these people were okay with this. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. It, it is crazy to me sometimes when something ends up in a, in a, in a movie or on a TV show. And I thought it like, how did so many people get like, this is a, low hanging fruit, but there was a, a movie a couple of years ago with Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara called hot pursuit. Right. Right, right. And like one of the first jokes is like a weird, like, uh, that's a woman. Oh no, that's a man. Like type of joke. <laughs> and it's like, how in the 21st century does that make it past? But that's the thing I've, what I've learned from my brief time working in the film industry is that when you're working on a big budget movie, there's only two or three people who can speak up. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I'm like a crew member or PA or whatever on set and I see something that's racist or sexist, it's my job if I call Like, it would be unbelievable. It would be un- unimaginable. To say something. To yeah. say something. And so when people say, like, how did it get, get past so many eyes? It's like, well, because the the hierarchy is such that there are only two or three people who could have right. stopped to it. Well, that... um Oh, that Now You See Me movie, that horrible <laughs> magic movie. That movie has, like, a, a trans joke in it. And I saw that with my friend who had just come out as transgender. Oh, wow. And so, um, and, it was, and it was one of those things that, like, I think I wasn't, you know, I probably wouldn't even been aware of it if I wasn't with right. her, you know? But I was with her, and it was just like... Oh, like God, you know, like what the fuck is wrong with this like huge budget movie? And that's a terror. I mean, they made a sequel of that movie. <laughs> Harry Potter was in it. I never saw either one. Crazy. But <laughs> oh, it's so bad. And didn't um, uh, what's her face uh, almost die in the making of that movie? Oh, I don't know. Um, I hadn't heard that. Um, now I can't think of her name, but she's great. She's red hair. Um, British. Kate Pearson from B fifty two. Yes, Kate Pearson. Yes, Kate Pearson from the B fifty two. I'll look it up. No, she's uh, married to Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, oh, oh, Isla Fisher. Fisher? Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher. Yes. I can never yes. remember. I think the Isla Fisher almost died. Wow. In the, like doing some stunt in that movie, so she's not in the sequel. Yeah. Because like her life is way more precious than. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe Woody Harrelson is in that movie. Like he's great. Woody Harrelson takes a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, but he's usually good. Did you guys listen to that um, that S Town podcast? No, no, I don't even know what that is. That's really good. Woody Harrelson should play the main guy. You should listen to him. Okay, <laughs> it's like a made by the Well This American Life serial people. Yeah, I think I've like this is a this is a dumb thing, um, but. I feel like Tyler and I getting so in so early on podcasts. I think I have kind of a grudge against like overproduced podcasts. Yeah. Where I feel like no podcasts are supposed to be punk rock. Like <laughs> this isn't punk. No, I, <laughs> I get that. Totally. I um, sort of feel the same way. And my fiance loves overproduced podcasts. We end up listening to completely different things. Yeah. We have nothing in common podcast wise. But then I've recently become obsessed with the, uh, so, you know, ESPN has the 30 for 30 brand uh-huh. where they yeah. do like the, it started with like the 30, like one hour films and yeah. like keep doing it. Now there's ESPN 30 for 30 podcasts and they're so fucking good. <laughs> I listened to one that was about how like the most dangerous, like 
card counting like advantage player in the world is this Chinese woman that like no one takes seriously. She like partners up with like like white men who are big like sort of whales and they go in and run scams together and the guys keep getting kicked out and like <laughs> she just keeps flying under the radar because everyone like underestimates huh. her because oh, she's a awesome. woman in Chinese. Uh, it was a fucking great podcast. That's so that's awesome. ESPN is opening the door for me to these well, overproduced podcasts. See, I feel both ways about it. Because I I just don't like, like, a lot of, like, overproduced stuff, period. But, like, I'll listen to, like, fan podcasts. Like, I listen, um, I'll listen to, like, anything, like, Twin Peaks or, like, Game of Thrones related. Um, And I was, like, listening to the EW Twin Peaks podcast. It was really, really, really good. And and it's super overproduced because it's Entertainment Weekly. But, like, it's two guys that are, like, serious Twin Peaks fans. And, like, their analysis was great. It's, like, they should be getting paid. I'm glad they are getting paid, <laughs> like, kind of things of, like, if they had other jobs, this would be, like, sad because they worked so hard on this. And then, like, going back to listening to other, like, Twin Peaks fans podcasts, it's just, like, these guys don't even – I know more about Twin Peaks than these assholes. Like, what yeah. those guys? Like, so – and, like, when there's, like, bad sound quality and stuff. Like, you're – this podcast is, like, a good, like – it's it's punk rock but you do a good job and it's oh, actually produced but when there's like phone calls and like it just sounds terrible like that's hard to listen to it always baffles me when like real organizations have podcasts that sound like that me too i don't know if they've changed it since then because i haven't listened to it but indiewire had a podcast for years that it sounded like they're not only on the phone but like shouting into the phone across the room <laughs> and it's like they weren't bought, bought by pmc yet but it was still indiewire it was still yeah, like they had still, money they behind had it money, yeah yeah Buy some microphones. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like record it while walking in the park. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, IndieWire. I don't know what's going on with them these days. I, uh, I unfollowed too many lists. Seems like, uh, too many lists. seems like a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were, they kept doing the, like for the entire year, like I guess commemorating the 17th year of the yeah. millennium, oh, they were doing like the best whatever of the 21st century so far. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why now? Yeah, why Why did you pick the 17-year mark to look at like the best supernatural horror yeah. movies or whatever? Like, now it's just like a lot of propping up really mainstream stuff, and it's like it, the indie yeah. is right in the name. Yeah. yeah. So I unfold. Well, that's, I mean, a lot of things that are indie. Oh, totally. I, just, I mean, I write for a show on IFC, which is very, the show is very indie. Uh, Stand Against Evil, Standing which is on right now. You should watch yeah. it. But I notice a lot of movies on IFC. What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like Sundance Channel. I mean, like they'll play like, like Die Hard and stuff, which are like, like Die Hard's a it's good movie, movie yeah. but it but has its, it's place. And it's not that. Yeah. It's not that at all. And it's like it's not like a hard like you can like Die Hard is on every other channel. So like oh yeah, play, like I understand playing like 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 indie horror movies that became very popular or something like that. Like, but you know, Die Hard, you don't need to play that. Yeah. I remember, like, my first, like, exposure to IFC um, was once, it was, like, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, and I had been on acid all night, couldn't <laughs> sleep, and I turned on IFC, and there was, like, a short film that, like, Claire Danes had starred in. It was, like, a 20-minute short, and I was like, this is awesome. This is, this yeah, is awesome. Yeah, totally. There's a, there's that's a, a, what a it cable be, network showing this. That's what right they now. should be showing. Yeah. Like, all the that time. That and Stand Against Evil. Yeah, and stand, which when you're standing against evil is like super indie. Like it's yeah. like there's not a big budget, you know. Like it's it definitely has the indie spirit. Um, I really hope 
we're learning all these awful things about white guys. I really hope John C. McGinley is a good guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, from what I know. Yeah, is, you know? yeah. And certainly Dana, uh, Dana Gould is yeah. a very good guy. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm a big, big John, uh, John C. McGinley fan. Yeah, I uh, think yeah. I think he's a good guy. Good. <laughs> is the Sundance Channel still around? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if they still ship top good of the stuff. Lake. Oh, oh yeah, like, that's right. Okay. Rect- Did you see Rectify? Uh, no, my wife loves it. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, it's hard to watch too, though. It's just, yeah. So they still have it good stuff. It's real sad. Yeah, but they have original. I guess pro- I think that's that's where everyone's going. Like yeah, Santa right. Evil, Top of the Lake. Yeah. Like everyone's making their own stuff now. There's some, you know, I don't know if you've heard about uh, peak TV. <laughs> There's too much TV, you guys. I'm not aware. There's only like There's, five shows, and right? I mean, that's yeah. a weird thing for movies because like there's there's always, like there's too many like all the movies now are like superhero movies and it pisses me off but what i'm saying i guess my like there's been i just feel like tv fans need to get over it the, like the fact that <laughs> it's not a bad thing that there's so much good shit you're not gonna see everything yeah. like i feel like movie fans and like comic book fans have known that for decades yeah. like yeah. we're not gonna be able to keep up with everything Get over it. Well, I think the problem yeah. is that so many people who like write about TV and talk about TV, like ten years ago, you could watch every good TV <laughs> right, show, right, right, and now yeah. they're like, "What? I can't well, keep up." There's also the technology now that like you don't have to watch it all right now. Oh no, kidding! Like, yeah, you can like that's what I love about like because it was it was really hard for me actually when both Twin Peaks Return and Game of Thrones were on at the same time because it's like two different parts of my brain and like, yeah. soul <laughs> like, yeah. that, that I care so like it's never going to get better than that for me like I, I can't see liking a show more than you know either of those shows so that ending it was like ah oh, it's so sad but then it's like oh there's other shows that I never watched that, that are supposed to be really good that I can watch the whole thing of now because there's so many shows it's I, not like those are the only two shows ever I've never seen The Wire and I picked up the box set for 35 bucks and now I can't <laughs> wait to watch The Wire yeah <laughs> yeah here's what's going to happen you're going to tear through the first four seasons. All right. And then the fifth season, which is the shortest one, is going to take you as long as it took you to watch the first four. I mean, it takes me a while to watch any TV show. So that's that season. Be. Like when I did a re when my wife and I did a, a rewatch, that's exactly what happened. We were like, God, I didn't realize at the time. Like, but the fifth season of The Wire kind of blows. Did you know it was the last season when it was airing? Yeah. That's yeah. probably why. That probably yeah. helped. You're like, got to savor it a little. I don't think that's how I felt. Okay. Maybe it's just like Deadwood or like the or third ends. season just kind of ends yeah and that's still one of my favorite shows so of good. all time. i love that show so much yeah i'm sorry to keep on talking about tv and that's okay stuff that has nothing to do with movies that's well okay. I mean, tv has a lot to do with movies tv and movies are very similar i think there's nothing in common actually <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nothing i mean this is a new uh like with last year we had the um oj made in america which oh, was yeah. like was yeah. it a tv show or was it a movie like they take a thing and they show it as a movie like right. and this year i started watching my halfway through i don't know why i committed to watching this stupid thing <laughs> but i started watching the four-hour grateful dead documentary uh-huh. i don't like the grateful dead i've never liked the grateful i've heard dead. that's really good I, though i've like actively not liked the grateful dead for more than 20 <laughs> years it's been like almost like part of my identity that right. i don't like the grateful dead and i'm like i'm gonna fucking watch this movie <laughs> but uh it played in theaters as a movie with like right. an intermission yeah. but on it's like an amazon series it's yeah. like six 40 minute episodes um, and so it seems like the line is blurring. There's it's a new uh, Errol Morris um, documentary uh, called Wormwood that's oh, also yeah. like super long. I think it's going to be on Netflix oh, in great. parts. Yeah. But you could also go see it in a theater the theater. and well, select you, theaters. You also have jerks taking David Lynch too seriously and treating Twin Peaks like an 18-hour movie, it which is. it isn't. I, I could see that it is like an 18-hour movie, but you but watch like, it in parts. Like if you watch it in 18 hours. But like what movie has musical breaks every, like, 
18 every hour for 18 hours. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's like, there's no 18 hour movies because that's absurd. <laughs> and an 18 hour movie would be a terrible experience. But even it's if so it's structured like movie. a TV show. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like they're in parts. Yeah. Like every TV show. I mean, not every TV show because like episodic TV shows are like, you know, not, the, you know, one off like then it, it ends and then it can begin somewhere mm-hmm. completely different. But like. And I guess Twin Peaks isn't so much serialized, but it is, you know, like, yeah. even though it does like jump around and it is, I mean, really it's kind of in a category of its own, but I mean, it definitely, the parts do go together in that order. Oh, so. for sure. But what was exciting to me about it is that it was pushing the boundaries of TV, not that it was like approaching movies. Right. And so that's like, I think treating it as TV makes it actually more exciting. Well, I think, I mean, I think it's like TV now is like, every episode is like a really good movie, you know? Right. Like I think like, like true detective season one was like, you know, eight really good movies. Like it was like three really good. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. I love, I love it very much. All right. Um, uh, but it is fun to watch old shows before, like everything was serialized. Like one of my favorite old shows is little house on the prairie. <laughs> and that's really just like a, it's almost like an anthology of short stories right. about the same characters. Like one episode is like, okay, this episode takes place over two months. And then like <laughs> yeah. the next episode, sorry, everything's just reset. But like, it's the books. Is- no, they really, they were really happy. You know, there's like, um, like actually like, like controversy about if Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote those books or if her daughter wrote the books. Oh, really? It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I said that Prairie Home Truthers. I don't know that I, yeah. I don't know that I care who wrote the books. Well, they're, they're supposedly about her childhood. But oh, yeah. Her, and her oh. daughter, like, you know, like, like edited the books for her. But there's people who believe her daughter actually wrote the books. But still about the mother's childhood. Yes. Okay. It's still about the mother's childhood and like on the prairie in Kansas. Right. So maybe the mother was just like telling the stories. And yeah, the kid was and like interpreting them. I'm gonna have to cut you out. It's it's Minnesota. It's what? <laughs> it's not. Some it's in Kansas, I think. Um, well, where do they start? Because the whole the the first episode. Uh, I know a lot about Little House on the Prairie. For the first episode, <laughs> it was a two hour TV movie that was about them moving from it might have been Kansas to uh, whatever. Now I forget the name. Walnut Springs, whatever the town uh-huh. is, where the thing in. And now I'm doubting maybe it was Wisconsin. I think it was Minnesota. But the the series itself takes place in in, in Minnesota. But yeah, maybe it did start I in Kansas. Maybe the books are set in I think Kansas the books book. are set in Kansas. I mean I like my my mom read them to me when I was like four, so yeah. my memory of them is not great. And then I watched the show too, but not like in a long time. The other thing that's interesting about old TV is people assume it's, I think more episodic than it is. Like I've been very slowly watching cheers over the years oh, and sure, like, yeah. that's a show that really benefits from watching from the start. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, the yeah. pilot of cheers is so funny. Oh yeah. The whole show is like, the incredible. whole show is so funny, but like, cause a lot of times pilots suck. Yeah, like, that's true. But that's especially of like older comedies. Yeah. But it yeah. knew what it was out of the gate for yeah. sure. Uh, that's, that's one to go back. We were talking about, uh, like jokes that haven't aged well. There's like the episode of cheers where they're like, uh, uh, where, um, Norm and, uh, and Cliff are afraid that cheers is going to turn into a gay bar. Cause gay guys start hanging out there. <laughs> and I feel like by the end of the episode, the, the show has ended up in the right place, right, right, right. but it like went through a bunch of like, it's like, like weird gay panic humor uh-huh. that's like on the way to it that, that, that wouldn't play, wouldn't play it, it just doesn't it, it's uh, it's not even offensive so much as it's just not funny anymore yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but it props to cheers it did eventually get to you know uh, it's something I think we can all sign off on <laughs> right. I think one of the most progressive shows ever 
was the Golden Girls. I've been watching, the, like, because, like, there's TV. Like, my son, you know, he can't watch a lot of things because he's a baby. Um, he watches this show called Hey, Dougie. This children's show, it's great. It's Sesame Street. And, uh, it's a Twin Peaks spinoff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. He, uh, and it's so funny because he's always like, Dougie, Dougie. Um, he loves Dougie. But, yeah, Hey, Dougie's a very sweet British dog. Um, it's a great show. But we'll watch The Golden Girls with him and, and King of the Hill because it's like, these are, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but, so I'm watching The Golden Girls, like... Every single character on the Golden Girls, there's an episode where like they either either like their sibling or their child turns out to be gay, <laughs> and then they become like okay with it by the end of the episode. And then like, but they have like so like a lot of gay characters, and like huh. there's like um, like transgender like issues. Like it's like, and they're always like, I don't know, like you know what? Actually, just love them for who they are. Like Blanche's brother gets gay married, like. Dorothy's brother is like uh, he's like a, a, a cross dresser. Um, I think Rose's daughter is gay. I'm not totally sure. I think like, but it's like every single one of them has like it's like their children or siblings are all gay and like that. So they obviously had the writer's room. Well, it also really feels like they were like seeding their future like retro fandom. <laughs> I know, absolutely. But I mean, it's a that's a really funny show too. Like that's that's a great cast of yeah, it really really is. funny people. Well, I remember watching an episode of The Jeffersons when I was in middle school, where I can't remember the main character's name in The Jeffersons. Somebody, either of you. Uh, the guy, anyway, the main guy. I, I would have known it if you hadn't put me on the spot. Okay. Thomas? Well, <laughs> sure, let's call him Thomas. Uh, an old friend of his just comes over uh, for a visit. He George? George. 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 Yes. It is George, yeah. Uh, an old friend of George comes over for a visit, hasn't been in years. Turns out, in the meantime, the guy has become transgender and is now living as a woman. And it, this was like the 70s, and yeah. it reaches the conclusion we would all hope it did, that's where great. George is like cool with it, and they're still like old pals. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. And well, that's I, before before Twin Peaks: The Return came on. Natalie and I rewatched the original series, and when Denise first mm-hmm. shows up and like says, "Oh, I'm this now," and Cooper just goes, "Okay, yeah," <laughs> I, I, I like it. I almost teared up. It was like yeah. it was so just so simple and it was like that's all we need that's all yeah. we need to do is just say okay I, w- I really wish Denise did not show up in the return that was one just because I felt like that wasn't like that was handled so well in the 80s uh-huh. but times have changed yeah, and she's like, too fraught now well n- no but just the fact that like she's the head of the FBI and she's jealous of a prettier woman like oh, that yeah. that's like the the like five minutes that she's on the screen See, like I don't know that I took it as jealousy I thought she felt sort of like in a as an older woman she felt like a sort of maternal like a protectiveness of uh of uh I don't Tammy? know of, Tammy uh, Tammy yeah that's how I read it I didn't read it as jealousy maybe I was just I, I didn't want it to be jealousy I read it as jealousy and I I don't know I mean and and that's another thing of like just the and like everything that like so many of the performances in David Lynch things are so weird that they can't be like classified as like too big or too weird because it's like no that's just that universe and yeah. you just have to be okay with it but I feel like David Duchovny's portrayal of Denise on the original show was like it was kind of comic relief but mm-hmm. on the return it's like it just seemed really out of place. Like it just seemed, I don't know, like, cause it wasn't like totally played for laughs, but it wasn't like played straight either. So it was just kind of an odd scene. I don't know. 
I did feel like having Cooper say, like, talk about how he told the other agents to fix your hearts or die felt yeah, like yeah. it's nice and it, like, looks good on a, you know, a meme or whatever. But it <laughs> did feel like a weird place for David Lynch to go to, like, make that kind of, like, social statement. Do you know what I mean? I, L- I like, liked Gordon saying that. Like, I thought that was kind of sweet, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also, like... Tamara uh, Preston, that actress, terrible. Um, she's a musician. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I think Who she's she? uh, Tammy. Tammy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think she was right for the role. I think David Lynch knew what he did, what he was doing when he cast her. <laughs> you know, I think that's who he wanted. I don't know. There's a lot of performances in David Lynch movies that you could say are bad by normal standards. Yeah, but it's like her. I just felt like she was just not a good actress. And I kind of felt bad for her because she's in scenes with like two of the best actors. (laughs) Like to be in scenes with Laura Dern and um, Miguel Miguel Ferrer. They're amazing. They're so good. And like especially Laura Dern in this like is crazy good. And then um, and then she's just like. Like moving her face so much and like <laughs> nodding, and it's just uncomfortable. My favorite—I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or if it was what you're talking about her being uncomfortable. But when she, when she and Gordon go outside and uh, Diane and they is have that smoking, cigarette, yeah, and then Gordon has a cigarette, and Tammy seems like she's just upset like, with Gordon that he's smoking or whatever, and just like keeps sort of changing her stand. I so, laughed so hard, but I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, I, and I think it's just being uncomfortable because you see like like bad extras <laughs> stuff will just like be like right <laughs> and it like ruins the whole frame and I feel like she did a lot of that and it's not really her fault for, like, for the listeners at home Susan just like <laughs> yeah. moved her lips like Garth pretending to sing along yeah. to Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> um, when uh, obviously you're supposed to say watermelon or peas and carrots or whatever right if exactly you're in the background, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean there were times when I felt like her discomfort kind of aided her position within the scene where she's supposed to be like the underling and learning new information. But yeah, there were times when I couldn't tell if it was the actress or the character doing that. I think it was. The yeah. Actress. And that character, cause there's a, the book, the secret history of Twin Peaks. Okay. That character is like very important oh, in the book. So like, it was like, Oh, okay. Like, so this character is going to be like very important in the return. And that was like, Oh no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're not important in the book, but they're like, a they're like I don't want to do any spoilers for the book if anyone wants to read it, but it's very fun. This is the the older book. The, the yeah, the, the Mark Frost. There's, there's a there's new, a new one. one that get, just came out like yesterday. I always felt I, mean, I haven't read the Secret History of Twin Peaks. I always felt like when Mark Frost did that, David Lynch was like, "Yeah, that's nice." Like I don't <laughs> think he cares about See, but about it. I kind of think. I might actually kind of gel more with like Mark Frost than David Lynch. And I love David Lynch. Like I love David Lynch movies very, very much. But like, I think that the actually like, grounded mythology, like to say that there is any grounded mythology is a stretch, but I think there is like, and in that book, it's like kind of all about like the grounded mythology and like that he has this sort of whole world figured out. And I think that's all Mark Frost and the tone is all David Lynch and the tone is, exceptional and David Lynch's tone is amazing but like I feel like Mark Frost is so necessary like and when it's just Mark Frost like season two yeah it's not nearly as good because there's not like they need to be together on that project like otherwise it's like if it was just Twin Peaks it would just be like super weirdness super darkness and if it was just Mark Frost it would be like just silliness you know and just like you know James the biker like going to bed and breakfast (laughs) for like 
two episodes or whatever. <laughs> like, but it was um, it was funny to me that the the return made no mention of Wyndham Earl at all. No, yeah. there was some <laughs> mentions of Wyndham Earl. Were there? Oh, okay. yeah. God, I can't remember when there was. Okay, but yeah, I know Wyndham Earl that whole thing. <laughs> or Aunt, like I really thought Heather Graham would be in the return. But. I know I, I didn't like her in the original show, but I was kind of disappointed that. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Okay. But I have to get my car in the driveway. Uh, okay, well we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up then. Actually, um, uh, sorry, we have to do it, but it's been over an hour, and this is a good out anyway um, because someone has There's to move a, a car. Uh, we're still figuring out the situation here at the new the new studio. Um, so, Susan, thank you so much for oh, being here. Thank you for having uh, me. Was I was really gonna fun. ask you about Phantom Thread because I know you're a big PTA PT Anderson fan, the new PTA movie. If you were excited to I'm see, I'm very it. excited to see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll uh, uh, have you back to talk Phantom Thread. We can't That'd we can't great. make it another like two and a half years. We can't do that. No, right? no, definitely okay. not. Um, Okay, so real quick, uh, BattleshipRetention.com, David at BattleshipRetention.com, uh, at DaveyRetention, Davey motherfucker, on Twitter, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know it. Uh, Scott? Uh, at Rail of Tomorrow, I'll be at AFI Fest uh, this week by the time you're hearing it. Yep. Susan, where can people find you? Oh, uh, at my house. <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah, don't. No, That's I guess, a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that. if you're a Bjork fan. No, uh, Twitter is uh, that Susan Burke. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Sorry thank to, you for cut, me. to cut to cut it short, but um, shit happens. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. 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 This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 